Uh, please do keep your Bibles open. Uh, as Matt said, tonight we are doing a one-off in Romans. Uh, Romans is a letter written by Paul uh, to Christians in Rome. He starts the letter by introducing himself and explaining the mission that he sets out to do, to proclaim the gospel, to proclaim the good news to all people, so that the righteous would live by faith. And yet in chapters 2 and 3, Paul goes on to explain that God's righteous judgment is coming on all those who turn away from God. He looks at the whole world at how they've turned away from God. And as he unpacks that, as he unpacks how the world has turned away from God, he explains that actually everyone has. Everyone is guilty of it. Everyone has not lived how they're meant to. And so all are under God's righteous judgment and punishment. And so we're left with the question, how can we be right with God? How can we avoid this judgment that is coming? And this is where we get to uh, in our passage. And we're torn, and we've got this tension of calling out for justice in the world. As we look out at the world and how they've turned away from God, we have this tension of calling for justice, calling for God to judge, and yet... When it comes to ourselves, we seem to have a blind spot. We seem to think that we can't do things wrong. There's a tension of calling for justice and yet wanting mercy for ourselves. We see injustice on big scales like wars. As we remember today on Remembrance Sunday, those who gave their lives in wars those who died. We see wars still going on in Ukraine and Israel. We see in the world the injustice of the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. Or in our lives at work, how does one person get all the promotions, all the good jobs, all the invites to parties while we're left out? We feel the injustice as we look out. Even as children, we know the sense of injustice, don't we? As we try and split the sweets. They got one more Haribo than me. They got more chocolate. My sisters and I would use a you split, I choose method to try and counteract that. Uh, But there always seemed to be problems, no matter how hard we tried. Or they got to sit in the front seat last time. We cry out for justice. We cry out for justice, and yet we find it so hard to admit our own failings. We find excuses for our actions. We keep quiet or compare our actions to others. Maybe no one will notice. We're fearful of the judgment to come. So how can I be right with God? It might be a question that we think about and feel all too acutely when we feel that we simply keep on failing. As we feel the weight of a guilty conscience 
I keep getting things wrong, so how can a God love me? How can I be right with God when I keep on failing? Maybe you're sitting here and you're looking out at the world and you think, I'm quite a good person. Why would I need any saving? Look at over there, they're doing trouble. Sorry, I didn't mean to point it. <laughs> Look at the people out there in the world. I'm doing much better than them. They need more saving than I do. I hope, however we feel today, however you, you feel sitting here tonight, that this passage brings assurance and humility as we see God saves his people by grace alone through faith in Christ. And so our only response can be to come with humility to humbly have faith in Christ for our salvation. So firstly, we see that we are not made right with God through the law, verses 19 to 20. It is not down to our own merits. It's not down to how good we are. In verse 19, it says that now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. The law holds all people to account. You see, we cannot be saved, we cannot be right with God by our own actions, no matter how hard we try. It's easy to play the comparison game. I'm much further up the ladder are much closer to God than others. Maybe we've grown up in a Christian family and think I haven't really done much wrong. Surely God can't be angry with me. Maybe good deeds will save us and find favor with God. I've come to church, tick. I've read my Bible today, good. God surely must be happy with me. All of these are good things, yet they do not save us. The Jewish people, after hearing the start of the letter, may be looking out at the world, thinking that the wrath of God surely is coming for them, but not for us. For the faithless people, for those who obviously turn away from God, surely it's coming to them. But if we follow the law, if they followed the law, if they kept everything, they'd compare themselves to others, they would look at their own actions. Surely God will be favorable to them. But they've missed the point. The law holds all people to account. They are without excuse. I don't know about you, but I love a good excuse. Uh, I always seem to find a reason or a uh, uh, a reason why uh, I did something, an explanation. I'm quite, I was quite good as a child with my words in how to explain my way out of a situation. It's not my fault. They started it. It was just a bad day as, I got, got, as I'm getting slightly older. Or just tired or I wasn't thinking. Everyone else was doing it, so I just joined in. And so on and so on. The list is endless. I bet we could think of our own excuses of why we do things. 
why we act a certain way, and yet with God, there is no excuse. All are held to account. No one can be saved by their actions. You see, the law uh, reveals the way we are meant to love God and love one another. And so it reveals our shortcomings. It reveals our sin. And so if the chosen people of God fall short of his standard, the whole world is held to account. Everyone is under God's judgment. Verse 24, by works of the law, no human being will be justified since through the law comes knowledge of sin. And it's worth pausing at this point, which might make us feel a bit uncomfortable, thinking about how God is angry with our sin, our helpless situation that we are all under judgment. But you see, once we fully grasp the severity of our problem, do we find a wonderful joy in God's solution? The reality that we all fall short. We don't love God or each other as we're meant to with what we think and say and do. Jealousy and frustration with people at work or at school, uh, gossiping with friends, uh, laughing at someone for not be- and not being kind and uplifting being selfish or greedy. The list goes on and on. And so the right thing for God is to judge, to hold us to account. This goes completely against our culture, against our world's view today. Surely we're all good people. Or who are you to tell me I am wrong? I'm just living my life. Even surely God won't judge as he is loving. But God shows his love, he shows his righteousness in holding all those to account, all the unrighteousness to account in punishing sin and wrongdoing. And yet if we're honest with ourselves, we don't live up to even our own standards. We set a high bar of what we want to achieve Whether it's getting all the jobs done, I just wasn't as productive as I wanted to today. Or dieting and yet getting another takeaway or another helping of food, which I did at my parents, it was very nice. But Even on Sundays after hearing a sermon, it motivates us and yet Monday rolls around, another week passes by and we haven't actioned it. We don't live up to our own standards, and so we definitely don't live up to God's. It's a warning that this salvation comes not through the law. We cannot be made right by our own actions. Nothing we do can save us. And so if the answer to how can I be right with God is not through the law, then how? Well, secondly, we see by grace, God's righteousness is revealed and given 
through Jesus. Verses 21 to 26. Uh, Verse 21 says, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Christ Jesus for all who believe. Finally, Paul turns a corner to the main point of Romans, but now something crucial has changed. The thing none of us could live up to. God's righteousness has been manifest apart from the law. In other words, Paul will go on to say there is hope. There is a path to righteousness of God. There is a way in which we can have a right relationship with God. It's not by us keeping the law. It's not by our actions. It is by faith in Jesus. It has been manifested apart from the law. And Paul adds that this is not an unexpected thing. It's not a new thing that, he, that is, is happening here. The law and the prophets have been pointing to God's righteousness all along. In fact, it, it was always God's plan to arrive at this but now. As a way for humans to be saved, the law and the prophets bear witness. The whole of the Old Testament points us to Jesus, the need for his salvation. It's not through us doing that we achieve it. It is through faith in Christ. Now, I've been learning to drive, uh, so the warning's a bit late to stay off the roads um, because I've been doing it for a while. But as road signs point to the direction of travel by where you should be going, so the Old Testament points to the faith as a requirement for salvation. The way that we are saved, it is through faith. And the Old Testament points to this. Uh, as later in Romans, it goes on to explain how Abraham and David were saved through faith. This is not some new plan that has been made up, as the old way doesn't seem to be working. All the Old Testament points to Jesus. It points to being saved by faith. And so we are to humbly come to Jesus for our salvation. And this righteousness is available to all who believe. Paul clarifies, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everyone is in the same boat. All fall short. All need to be saved. And all are justified by his grace. Verse 24 uh, carries on. And are justified by his grace as a gift. God has given us the greatest gift of all. Uh, I love this Christmas time period. I love uh, all the shopping centers, the adverts, uh, and the music. Uh, It's getting to that time of year or so I've been told that you start to think about presents. Uh, I'm not as as organized as as Katrina or my family would like me to be. I don't know what uh, I want, and I don't don't know what they want either. Um, So it's quite a frustrating time for for family and her, I think, 
uh, in trying to work that out. Uh, but getting the, getting the best gift matters. You want to get a gift that will really uh, make the person smile. And this gift that Jesus offers is the greatest gift of all. He is offering a way to be made right with God. It is by God's grace that we can have this wonderful, wonderful gift. And this gift wasn't free, it cost the biggest price. And God paid this price that we have been redeemed, purchased by Christ. It continues, the price was that uh, he was put forward as a propitiation by his blood. A propitiation means sacrifice of atonement. God literally gave Jesus over as a blood sacrifice to pay the debt of our sins. God expressed all of his righteous anger against our sin on Jesus, on the cross, as he died. Paying what we owed in full, this gift of the sacrifice of God's own son, to pay for our own sin must be received by faith. And why would God do this for us? Why would he send his son? Well, Paul says, this was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. The answer Paul gives is that it is because of God's righteousness. God did not say that our sins don't matter or that he'll just ignore them. He fully poured out his justice against sin when sinless Jesus was sacrificed on the cross. Paul shows that this includes the sins of the past and the present. God passed over the former sins. He showed an act of divine patience and perfect timing as the complete sacrifice of Jesus poured out on the cross, paid and fully satisfied all sin. Through Jesus' death, God can righteously make the unrighteous righteous or justly justify the unjust. Bit of a tongue twister there. His absolute integrity is upheld and exalted through the gospel. He is not just the God of the Jews. Sorry, wrong page. God justly saves his people by grace alone, through faith in Christ. We should be clinging to Christ and the cross, seeing this wonderful gift that God has given us, that Jesus has paid it all. 
For those of you trusting in Jesus, know with complete assurance that the price has been paid. We no longer face God's judgment. If you're here and you're not yet trusting in Jesus, see this wonderful news, this wonderful gift that is being offered. As we know we mess up, we know we get things wrong. But for those trusting in Jesus, all we have to do is have faith and humbly come to Jesus for our salvation. So God justly saves his people by grace alone, through faith. His righteousness is revealed and given through Jesus. So how should we respond? Well, thirdly and finally, humbly have faith in Christ for your salvation. Verses 27 to 31. Uh, Verse 27, then what becomes of our boasting? It's excluded by what kind of law? By the law of works, no, by the law of faith. There is no room for pride. There is no room for boasting, because it's not down to us. It's not down to how good we are that we are saved. It is a gift. After receiving a present on Christmas Day, on your birthday, you don't go around and start saying, I am so great, look at what I have done. I'm amazing. If you did, you'd probably get some quite strange looks um, because it is a gift. And so you say, or so you should say, thank you for a wonderful gift. Maybe give them a hug, start jumping around because you're thankful for the gift that they have given. And so we are to accept this gift with humility, not with pride or boasting, Christ has done it all so that we can be made right with God. And this reality is for all people. Verse 28, for we hold one is is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, Since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. He is not just the God of the Jews and therefore save them based on how well they do according to the law. He saves and justifies all people through faith. He is a God of all peoples, of all nations. God's promise of blessing in the Old Testament was for all nations. For you and me tonight, we are saved and made right with God through faith alone. This would have stunned the Jewish readers, and so Paul tackles their objection. Can the Old Test- Does this Old Testament now become null and void? So then, do we overthrow the law? By no means. The Old Testament upholds, supports, and confirms that God justifies by faith. How can I be right with God? 
Well, it's not through the law. It's not through our own actions. But by grace, God saves through faith in Christ. So humbly have faith in Christ for your salvation. For those following Jesus, see the great joy in the gift that is being offered. And humbly have faith in Christ for your salvation. For those who think that being good will save them. But surely God isn't angry at us. Lovingly hear the warning that we cannot be right with God on our own. It is not in our own merit. Humbly have faith in Christ for your salvation. For those feeling the weight of their sin, a guilty conscience, how can God save someone as sinful as me? Know these easing, comforting words of assurance. It is not down to us. It's not down to how well we perform during the week and each day. It is by grace alone, through faith in Christ. As we head out into this next week, whether it's a cold, wet Wednesday and nothing seems to be going right, or we seem to be on cloud nine, very happy with what we've achieved, Know this great gift that we are made right with God through faith in him alone. So humbly have faith in Christ for our salvation. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this great gift that you offer to all people. Help us to trust in you and have faith in you alone for our salvation. Amen.